Back again, second segment here of Inside the Outdoors on this Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a good one. Hope you're out and about with your family and friends and enjoying the uh, the outdoors and everything we have to offer as we bring in George Summer, as we do this time every, every, every Saturday. And we're going to talk uh, fishing with George because he is on site with a big event going on today that he has been involved in for years, the uh, Starvation Fishing Tournament. George, how you doing? I'm doing great. And yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Talk to me about what's going on up there, and uh, and then as we move forward, how starvation is looking. So we've got the Starvation Walleye Classic. Uh, this is like the 27th year of this event, and, and it's held in conjunction with the Duchesne County Chamber of Commerce in Duchesne City. So there's a, a Saturday, There's a, today, there's a ton of people out here, um, and they do a bunch of stuff on their end, and then uh, I'm running the fishing tournament side of it. Um, and then we'll have a weigh-in today, and then tomorrow is just a fishing tournament. And, uh, you know, it's it's been going on for quite a while. It's going to be interesting to see who puts it together uh, this weekend because it's the fishing here at Starvation has been extremely tough. And I think that the weather we've been having is going to kind of kick things in high gear. So, you know, this afternoon we'll see what the what the weigh-in results bring and who, who puts the program together and who catches some of those big walleye. Yeah, the dog days of summer have certainly played havoc with uh, with the walleye fishing as well, as, as they normally do. But certainly because of the warm water and the warm air temperature, cooling things off a little will help, obviously. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and and you know, it's every everywhere it seems uh, that the water is higher than normal. So it's it's a uh, um, that's made things. A, there's an adjustment, I guess, is the word I'm looking for that that has to be made. And the, the fish haven't made that adjustment yet. Um, so you know, they've been in their deep summer pattern, 40 to 50 feet deep. And you know, we're hoping with the, the storms that we've had and and that they're predicting we're going to have, you know, going forward, that, that those fish will come up a little shallower to feed um, on some of the bait fish that are to be found in the wheat beds and stuff. And and I think, you know, once we get that cool down, that the fishing at, at starvation is just going to take off. Yeah, the next couple of weeks, I mean, typically starvation is good in the spring, obviously, and really good come uh, early fall. Yes. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I've had some of my, my funnest trips. You know, I, I like fishing in the spring, but fishing in the fall because you fish this time of year, you know, um, September, October, November, uh, usually there's a, a fewer crowds. Um, when that water cools down, then those fish, I, I'm catching walleye, uh, big bass, and now I understand there's some big perch in there. Mm. Well, that, that makes a good forage base, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and the, the division's been putting crappie in there to help with the forage, and we've got kokanee in there now. So, I mean, there's there's a, a it's kind of a smorgasbord of what do you want to fish for? And you know, I, I know when I'm when I get done with this event, I'm coming back and I'm going to fish for some walleye, and, and hopefully they'll be up shallow where I can. Uh, and catch them easy. Well, there's some good-sized fish in there. I mean, we know that, both from the bass, that good-sized rainbow trout in there as well. It's a good lake for growth. It, it is. You know, there's a lot of nutrients in the water, you know, a lot of underutilized nutrients because that's why they put the kokanee in there. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just a great all-around fishery that I think uh, – 
you know, once things cool off a little bit, we'll be able to, to target a lot more fish. And, you know, there's always those, uh, the rainbows come up in the fall. You know, that water gets a lot colder. Uh, typically, I find them at the end of October. Um, and then it's fun to catch some big rainbows. Well, good luck with your uh, tournament today. We'll look forward to next week's report, George, and hopefully you'll turn a few big fish in that uh, in that the next two days. Definitely. Definitely. All right. I'll keep you posted. All right, my friend. George Summer with the uh, Starvation, the Walleye Tournament at Starvation going on this today and tomorrow, this Saturday and Sunday. And they always produce some, you know, something in that eight, nine, ten pound range is possible. And, uh, you know, we get the first hand report because George sees everything that's caught when he has to weigh it in. So it should be a heck of a lot of fun. But uh, that's another one with the kokanee that we don't think about maybe so often. And that's uh, and that's up at Starvation as well. Another another lake in this state with kokanee in it yeah yes you know I, why does this song make us smile so much I, there's just something about this music even if you didn't know what the subject matter was from the Andy Griffith show the old uh, Opie and walking down the street uh, and then going across the dirt road and down the down the bank of the stream you just would have to know that that's got to be happy times isn't it and we welcome in our own Opie uh, the man himself the ginger ninja the man with the red hair and the big smile and the guy that uh, every week takes us on another adventure with Hooked on Utah Gary Winterton GW how you doing I'm doing good now, Steve, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you laugh, and I'll make it a really short story. <laughs> oh, that's okay. we got time. <laughs> when my wife and I got married, we went out to, to uh, Louisiana and attended the University of New Orleans. And I worked at the Holiday Inn right next to where we lived. And uh, my name tag, uh, they didn't <laughs> call me by my name. They called me Opie. Yep. And so because I, I was, that. you know, Caucasian and redhead, <laughs> and uh, I was an anomaly at this hotel in uh, in downtown Metairie, Louisiana. So they referred to me as Opie. I think it's perfect. Listen, there yeah. are, there are worse things to be referred to. And look, just <laughs> like just like Opie, you you are the multi millionaire billionaire uh, who <laughs> is doing what he wants to do. He he's producing <laughs> movies, and you're producing television fishing shows. Yes, he's the multi-billionaire. I'm the guy with the tripping scratch. Well, all so. I know is all I know is that freckles and red hair must be pretty good because there's two success stories out of two right there. <laughs> oh, funny, funny. So uh, let, let's, you know, let's dovetail for a minute from what we were just talking with Randy Opplinger about, and that is the um, and that is the kokanee and the addition of kokanee. I know that it is a species that you uh, have really taken to over the last couple of years, especially since you picked up that new Lund from uh, Rogers Performance Marine. I've been able to troll and, and uh, more than just the bass boat now, but also trolling for those kokanee. It's it's really become a whole new uh, segment of your arsenal. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. You're one of the individuals that got me into it as we went out and fished out of your tracker. And, you know, it's, it, it does require some, you know, specialized equipment. You know, if you've got a boat with downriggers, you're already in the game. If you don't, it's a little more difficult because those kokanee like to hang it. Yeah. You just have to be able to target that depth of water specifically. Whereas, you know, with general trout, you can run lead core line out there. You can weight up your monofilament and 
kind of guess, still going to catch trout. But the cocaine, for some reason, hang right in that, uh, in a band. And, and one day it might be 45, the next day 65, the next day 25. And that's what is I really like about it is it's, they move around, but they school up. And uh, it's been so much fun because it's just one more really cool species of fish that is delicious to eat, fun to catch, and I think it's really changing the diversity and the way that anglers approach fishing in the outdoors. Yeah, and it, it's like I told Randy, it's great for guys like me because it, it really is old guy fishing. I mean, you can you can just sit, you can troll along, you can enjoy life, um, you can tell a few lies. You know, we always did that, but we didn't always catch fish. The thing about kokanee fishing is you can do all of the above. And if you find the fish, they are tightly schooled. Typically, you just keep going through them. You're going to keep catching them. You know, it's been fun with the kokanee, too, that is, it's indicative of other fish, but you find a school of kokanee that are all, you know, a pound, everything's going to be a pound. You move around the lake, and then you get into your first fish is four pounds or three and a half. You find that, you know, those classes really stick together, where with trout, you'll kind of have a mix. But for some reason, it seems more often than not, the kokanee really school up, and so that's in class and weight size. So... That's been kind of the fun learning is, man, if you catch a small kokanee, pull up, move, go find another school, and oftentimes you end up in bigger fish. And, you know, as Randy said, one of the real advantages to them is the fact that it's economical because uh, they are, a lot of them are self-perpetuating. Uh, they will they will spawn on their own. Some of them get help in various places like Strawberry and, uh, you know, in, in the Sheep Creek area of uh, Flaming Gorge. But... In a lot of areas, they are naturally reproducing those fish. You don't have to spend the money to raise them. Even if you do, you only raise them till a small size, and then they come out, come out in the spring, and immediately they're on the zooplankton. So they are economical, they're fun to catch, and they taste terrific. Yeah, and it really gives you, with some of our high mountain lakes, that flavor of going to Alaska or British Columbia, where people pay big dollar to go catch kokanee, and, you know, King and that, and to think, hey, we've got fisheries now producing kokanee salmon pushing five pounds. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the new places that they've put them. You know, you look at uh, the kokanee now that are coming out of Jordanelle. They are nice-sized fish. They're they're well beyond those 14, 15, 16-inch fish that we would expect. Now, you know, you're catching those upwards of two, two and a half pounds, and maybe occasionally a bigger one. Yeah. Um, I actually saw pictures this year of kokanee that were probably pushing more to the three-pound size out of your mill. That lake has has got everything they need uh, to really thrive, and and I love the fact that it just diversifies uh, the fishing opportunity for kokanee. You don't have to just go to um, strawberry, and they're planting more kokanee in more lakes, which will really give anglers a chance to kind of spread out and enjoy the kokanee fishing statewide. You know, one of the places that when I was in college, and this goes back almost 50 years at Utah State, uh, and Randy mentioned it just a moment ago, and that is uh, Porcupine. You know, Porcupine is a place that doesn't maybe get the uh, publicity because it's a little bit harder to get to, um, harder to launch your boat. You know, you got to work a little bit more. But there have been uh, some nice kokanee in there for years. That, that population is one of the original uh, in the state here, you know, back in the late 60s, they had that population of of, uh, of kokanee in Porcupine Reservoir. And that's one that I think a lot of people overlook, that if you're looking for a trip, 
next year uh, to take and, and, you know, maybe go a little further, get away from the crowds. I think Porcupine is one of those places that you, you might want to look at real closely. Yeah, that's a cool lake. Uh, and I think one of the things that causes anglers to shy away is it does have some regulations around your boat. Yeah. You, you can't plane out on your boat. You can idle, but you can't actually get up on a plane. And so you just got to read the regs because there's a couple of cool lakes like that that have kokanee in them that are unique where, and you're not going to need the porcupine small. So right. I mean, you can troll back and forth on your electric or on your gas trolling motor. You just need to make sure you know the regulations. But well, you're right. That's a real hidden treasure. It is. That- and it's it's a small boat lake. I mean, because of the size, if you are a little nervous about being on one of the bigger waters um, because your boat is not quite so big, that's one that you can take the the, uh, the boat to and feel pretty comfortable. You know, our friend, our mutual friend, Scott Anderson, actually went to Porcupine a couple of weeks ago in his lifetime kayak mm-hmm. and trolled for Kokanee in his kayak, <laughs> caught a full limit, um, and actually caught trout and Kokanee that day in his kayak so it's another one of those really fun lakes where you can get a lot of action from a float tube or a kayak not competing with big boats yeah yeah it's it is it's one of those places just fun to uh, maybe think about write it down because i know again you've only got a couple of days left in the season this year for kokanee so next year maybe that's a, a, a trip to be on the docket for next year let's let's shift gear let's uh, talk about your show tonight uh Hooked on Utah on KUTV Channel 2 right after Talking Sports. They had a few technical glitches last week, so we we didn't get the show that we expected. We got about six minutes of it. But not to be outdone, it's coming back. Yeah, you got a little Groundhog Day version of the first <laughs> About and three different <laughs> airings of it. You know what? It was just yeah. the same every time. I was amazed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, you know... Um, Love KUTV2. They're always innovating. They uh, they added a new flighting system. You know, all shows, all commercials are all done by a computer. So there was a little glitch with a few of the shows that day, because that was the launch of their new program. But we're airing the show in its entirety, and uh, I've tweaked it a little bit, so it'll be a little bit different, so you don't see that first part. Okay. But tune in, because the aviation in it is incredible. I am. Uh, I'm really excited because we had the tease for the commercial for the uh, the bush plane, the one that that uh, low lands and takes off at such low speed. That's amazing. I mean, you can get it into places that there's no way you would land a normal uh, a normal plane because you don't have the room for the runway. But with this aircraft, uh, the big tires and everything else on it, you can take off and you can land in a very very short airstrip. Yeah, you're going to see Draco, which is owned by Mike Tatey out of Spanish Fork. Um, which is his will that converted from a, 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 call it a piston motor, to a jet turboprop. You're going to see some of the other flying cowboys that are flying their carbon tubs from tub crappers, and they can do some of the most amazing short field takeoff and landing. We're going to see um, a T6 trainer owned by Barry Hancock out of Heber do some incredible aerobatics, some drag racing, some cars on the runway. So it's it's a very different, exciting show. So tune in. You will not see the same six minutes over and over. <laughs> okay. You promised that. Well, hey, it was it was good, the six minutes we saw. It's just that we wanted the additional. So that's good to know. And that's coming up tonight at 11.05, right after Talking Sports on KUTV Channel 2. Um, again, I... 
the the, the part that we saw, the uh, the tease part and everything else, there's just some amazing stuff. That T6, for example, I mean, those were trainers. They look a lot like the Japanese Zero from the Second World War, but they were our trainers. And to go up in those and fly acrobatic, uh, it's one of the great experiences I ever had in my life, uh, flying in the T6s and in the P-51s, especially with the clipped wings that the P-51 Mustangs have these days for the, for the uh, aerobatics. It's just amazing. Yeah, you know, and Barry Hancock is is widely known as one of the most accomplished uh, T six aerobatic pilots around. He runs Pilot Makers and Utah Warbird Adventures out of Hebrew Provo. But that T six, when you consider that was the primary trainer for World War Two pilots, yep. they taught them all of the basic combat maneuvers, and then they were, you know, they went off to fly whatever it was they were assigned to fly. But almost all World War Two fighter pilots flew the T six, and that actual airplane was used during the, that time period to train, you know, the best of the best that went and fought in World War II. So you really get to see, and, and the maneuvers he performs are the maneuvers that these pilots learned as basic fighter pilot skills uh, before they went off the war. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it tonight because, as I said, I know you put a lot of work into shooting it. Uh, and, uh, and well, we're all victims of computers these days, right? It's all technology, baby. It used to be all ball bearings, but it's now all technology. I hear you. I hear you, my friend. Hey, thanks for visiting with us. It's good to talk to you. And uh, I know what you've got cooking for next week. I already know because uh, you and I had a chance to discuss this. Uh, It's already in the can. I can't wait until this one goes on the air uh, a week from tonight because uh, that is going to be absolutely amazing. People are going to go crazy over the fish you caught on on this adventure. And it's close to home, and it's easy to replicate. Yep, it'll be a lot of fun. So next week's show is, uh, we'll just say it, Wiper, 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 and it's going to be really cool. You got it, and we'll uh, preview it right here next Saturday morning. Be good, Steve. I'm going to miss you this week. Stay in touch, tight lines, and uh, wear your PFD if you're out on the water. You got it. Take care of yourself. All right, GW Gary Winterton tonight, 11.05, right after talking sports on Channel 2. It will be uh, hooked on Utah, and we'll get to see the whole adventure from Spanish Fork. We'll step aside, uh, and we'll come back with the final segment coming at you right away here on Inside the Outdoors for this Saturday morning. Back again, second segment here of Inside the Outdoors on this Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a good one. Hope you're out and about with your family and friends and enjoying the uh, the outdoors and everything we have to offer as we bring in George Summer, as we do this time every, every, every Saturday. And we're going to talk uh, fishing with George because he is on site with a big event going on today that he has been involved in for years, the uh, Starvation Fishing Tournament. George, how you doing? I'm doing great, and yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Talk to me about what's going on up there, and uh, and then as we move forward, how starvation is looking. So we've got the Starvation Walleye Classic. Uh, this is like the 27th year of this event, and, and it's held in conjunction with the Duchesne County Chamber of Commerce in Duchesne City. So there's a, a Saturday, There's a, today, there's a ton of people out here, um, and they do a bunch of stuff on their end, and then uh, I'm running the fishing tournament side of it. Um, and then we'll have a weigh-in today, and then tomorrow is just a fishing tournament. And, uh, you know, it's it's been going on for quite a while. It's going to be interesting to see who puts it together. 
uh, this weekend because it's the fishing here at Starvation has been extremely tough. And I think that the weather we've been having is going to kind of kick things in high gear. So, you know, this afternoon we'll see what the what the weigh-in results bring and who, who puts the program together and who catches some of those big walleye. Yeah, the dog days of summer have certainly played havoc with uh, with the walleye fishing as well, as, as they normally do. But certainly because of the uh, warm water and the warm air temperature, cooling things off a little will help, obviously. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and and you know, it's every everywhere it seems uh, that the water is higher than normal. So it's it's a uh, um, that's made things. A, there's an adjustment, I guess, is the word I'm looking for that that has to be made. And the, the fish haven't made that adjustment yet. Um, so you know, they've been in their deep summer pattern, 40 to 50 feet deep, and you know, we're hoping with the, the storms that we've had and and that they're predicting we're going to have, you know, going forward, that, that those fish will come up a little shallower to feed um, on some of the bait fish that are to be found in the wheat beds and stuff. And and I think, you know, once we get that cool down, that the fishing at, at starvation is just going to take off. Yeah, the next couple of weeks, I mean, typically starvation is good in the spring, obviously, and really good come uh, early fall. Yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, I've had some of my, my funnest trips. You know, I, I like fishing in the spring, but fishing in the fall because you fish this time of year, you know, um, September, October, November, uh, usually there's a, a fewer crowds. Um, when that water cools down, then those fish, I, I'm catching walleye, and big bass, and now I understand there's some big perch in there. Mm. Well, that, that makes a good forage base, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and the, the division's been putting crappie in there to help with the forage, and we've got kokanee in there now. So, I mean, there's there's a, a it's kind of a smorgasbord of what do you want to fish for? And you know, I, I know when I'm when I get done with this event, I'm coming back and I'm going to fish for some walleye, and, and hopefully they'll be up shallow where I can. Uh, and catch them easy. Well, there's some good-sized fish in there. I mean, we know that, both from the bass, that good-sized rainbow trout in there as well. It's a good lake for growth. It, it is. You know, there's a lot of nutrients in the water, you know, a lot of underutilized nutrients because that's why they put the kokanee in there. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just a great all-around fishery that I think, uh, you know, once things cool off a little bit, we'll be able to, to target a lot more fish and, you know, there's always those, uh, the rainbows come up in the fall. You know, that water gets a lot colder. Uh, typically, I find them at the end of October. Um, and then it's fun to catch some big rainbows. Well, good luck with your uh, tournament today. We'll look forward to next week's report, George, and hopefully you'll turn a few big fish in that uh, in that the next two days. Definitely. All Definitely. right. I'll keep you posted. All right, my friend. George Summer with the uh, Starvation, the Walleye Tournament at Starvation going on this today and tomorrow, this Saturday and Sunday. And they always produce some, you know, something in that eight, nine, ten pound range is possible. And, uh, you know, we get the first hand report because George sees everything that's caught when he has to weigh it in. So it should be a heck of a lot of fun. But uh, that's another one with the kokanee that we don't think about maybe so often. And that's uh, and that's up at Starvation as well. Another another lake in this state with kokanee in it yeah yes you know I, why does this song make us smile so much I, there's just something about this music even if you didn't know what the subject matter was 
from the Andy Griffith show, the old uh, Opie and walking down the street uh, and then going across the dirt road and down the down the bank of the stream. You just would have to know that that's got to be happy times, isn't it? And we welcome in our own Opie, uh, the man himself, the ginger ninja, the man with the red hair and the big smile. And the guy that uh, every week takes us on another adventure with Hooked on Utah, Gary Winterton. GW, how you doing? I'm doing good. Now, Steve, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you laugh, and I'll make it a really short story. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We got time. <laughs> when my wife and I got married, we went out to, to uh, Louisiana and attended the University of New Orleans. And I worked at the Holiday Inn right next to where we lived. And uh, my name tag... <laughs> Uh, they didn't call me by my name. They called me Opie. Yep. And so because I, I was, that. you know, Caucasian and redhead, <laughs> and uh, I was an anomaly at this hotel in uh, in downtown Metairie, Louisiana. So they referred to me as Opie. I think it's perfect. Listen, there yeah. are, there are worse things to be referred to. And look, just <laughs> like just like Opie, you you are the multi-millionaire billionaire uh, who <laughs> is doing what he wants to do. He he's producing movies, and you're producing television fishing shows. Yes, he's the multi-billionaire. I'm the guy with the chicken scratch. Well, all so. I know is all I know is that freckles and red hair must be pretty good because there's two success stories out of two right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny, funny. So uh, let, let's, you know, let's dovetail for a minute from what we were just talking with Randy Opplinger about, and that is the um, and that is the kokanee and the addition of kokanee. I know that it is a species that you uh, have really taken to over the last couple of years, especially since you picked up that new Lund from uh, Rogers Performance Marine and been able to troll and, and uh, more than just the bass boat now, but also trolling for those kokanee. It's it's really become a whole new uh, segment of your arsenal. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. You're one of the individuals that got me into it as we went out and fished out of your tracker. And, you know, it's, it, it does require some, you know, specialized equipment. You know, if you've got a boat with downriggers, you're already in the game. If you don't, it's a little more difficult because those kokanee like to hang it. Yeah. You just have to be able to target that depth of water specifically. Whereas, you know, with general trout, you can run lead core line out there. You can weight up your monofilament and kind of guess you're still going to catch trout. But the kokanee, for some reason, hang right in that, uh, in a band. And, and one day it might be 45, the next day 65, the next day 25. And that's what is I really like about it is it's, they move around, but they school up. And uh, it's been so much fun because it's just one more really cool species of fish that is delicious to eat, fun to catch. And I think it's really changing the diversity and the way that anglers approach fishing in the outdoors. Yeah, and it, it, it's like I told Randy, it's great for guys like me because it, it really is old guy fishing. I mean, you can you can just sit, you can troll along, you can enjoy life, um, you can tell a few lies. You know, we always did that, but we didn't always catch fish. The thing about kokanee fishing is you can do all of the above. And if you find the fish, they are tightly schooled. Typically, you just keep going through them. You're going to keep catching them. You know, it's been fun with the kokanee, too, that is, it's indicative of other fish, but you find a school of kokanee that are all, you know, a pound, everything's going to be a pound. You move around the lake, and then you get into your first fish is four pounds or three and a half. You find that, you know, those classes really stick together, where with trout, you'll kind of have a mix. 
but for some reason it seems more often than not the cocaine really school up and so that's in class and weight size so that's been kind of the fun learning is man if you catch a small cocaine pull up move go find another school and oftentimes you end up in bigger fish and you know as randy said one of the real advantages to them is the fact that it's economical because uh, they are a lot of them are self-perpetuating um, they will they will spawn on their own some of them get help in various places like strawberry and uh, you know in, in the sheep creek area of, of uh, flaming gorge but in a lot of areas, they are naturally reproducing those fish. You don't have to spend the money to raise them. Even if you do, you only raise them till a small size, and then they come out, come out in the spring, and immediately they're on the zooplankton. So they are economical, they're fun to catch, and they taste terrific. Yeah, and it really gives you, with some of our high mountain lakes, that flavor of going to Alaska or British Columbia, where people pay big dollar to go catch kokanee, and, you know... King and that, and to think, hey, we've got fisheries now producing kokanee salmon pushing five pounds. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the new places that they've put them. You know, you look at uh, the kokanee now that are coming out of Jordanelle. They are nice-sized fish. They're they're well beyond those 14, 15, 16-inch fish that we would expect. Now, you know, you're catching those upwards of two, two and a half pounds, and maybe occasionally a bigger one. Yeah. Um, I actually saw pictures this year of kokanee that were probably pushing more to the three-pound size out of your mill. That lake has got everything they need uh, to really thrive, and and I love the fact that it just diversifies uh, the fishing opportunity for kokanee. You don't have to just go to um, strawberry, and they're planting more kokanee in more lakes, which will really give anglers a chance to kind of spread out and enjoy the kokanee fishing statewide. You know, one of the places that when I was in college, and this goes back almost 50 years at Utah State, uh, and Randy mentioned it just a moment ago, and that is uh, Porcupine. You know, Porcupine is a place that doesn't maybe get the uh, publicity because it's a little bit harder to get to, um, harder to launch your boat. You know, you got to work a little bit more. But there have been uh, some nice kokanee in there for years. That, that population is one of the original uh, in the state here, you know, back in the late 60s, they had that population of of, uh, of kokanee in Porcupine Reservoir. And that's one that I think a lot of people overlook, that if you're looking for a trip next year uh, to take and, and, you know, maybe go a little further, get away from the crowds, I think Porcupine is one of those places that you, you might want to look at real closely. Yeah, that's a cool lake. Uh, and I think one of the things that causes anglers to shy away is it does have some regulations around your boat. Yeah. You you can't plane out on your boat. You can idle, but you can't actually get up on a plane. And so you just got to read the regs because there's a couple of cool lakes like that that have kokanee in them that are unique where, and you're not going to need the porcupine small. So right. I mean, you control back and forth on your electric or on your gas trolling motor. You just need to make sure you know the regulations. But well, you're right. That's a real hidden treasure. It is. That, and it's it's a small boat lake. I mean, because of the size, if you are a little nervous about being on one of the bigger waters um, because your boat is not quite so big, that's one that you can take the the, uh, the boat to and feel pretty comfortable. You know, our friend, our mutual friend, Scott Anderson, actually went to Porcupine a couple of weeks ago in his lifetime kayak mm-hmm. and trolled for kokanee in his kayak, <laughs> caught a full limit, um, and actually caught trout and kokanee that day 
in his kayak. So it's another one of those really fun lakes where you can get a lot of action from a float tube or a kayak not competing with big boats. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. It's one of those places just fun to uh, maybe think about, write it down, because I know, again, you've only got a couple of days left in the season this year for Kokanee. So next year, maybe that's a, a, a trip to be on the docket for next year. Let's let's shift gear. Let's uh, talk about your show tonight, uh, Hooked on Utah on KUTV Channel 2, right after Talking Sports. They had a few technical glitches last week, so we, we didn't get the show that we expected. We got about six minutes of it. But not to be outdone, it's coming back. Yeah, you got a little Groundhog Day version of the first <laughs> About three <laughs> different airings of it. You know what? It was just yeah. the same every time. I was amazed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, love KUTV 2. They're always innovating. They uh, they added a new flighting system. You know, all shows, all commercials are all done by a computer. So there was a little glitch with a few of the shows that day, because that was the launch of their new program. But we're airing the show in its entirety, and uh, I've tweaked it a little bit, so it'll be a little bit different, so you don't see that first part. Okay. But tune in, because the aviation in it is incredible. I am. Uh, I'm really excited because we had the tease for the commercial for the uh, the bush plane, the one that that uh, low lands and takes off at such low speed. That's amazing. I mean, you can get it into places that there's no way you would land a normal uh, a normal plane because you don't have the room for the runway. But with this aircraft, uh, the big tires and everything else on it, you can take off and you can land in a very very short airstrip. Yeah, you're going to see Draco, which is owned by Mike Tatey out of Spanish Fork. Um, which is his will that converted from a, 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 call it a piston motor, to a jet turboprop. You're going to see some of the other flying cowboys that are flying their carbon cubs from cub crappers, and they can do some of the most amazing short field takeoff and landing. We're going to see um, a T6 trainer owned by Barry Hancock out of Heber do some incredible aerobatics, some drag racing, some cars on the runway. So it's it's a very different, exciting show. So tune in. You will not see the same six minutes over and over. <laughs> okay, you promised that. Well, hey, it was it was good. The six minutes we saw. It's just that we wanted the additional. So that's good to know. And that's coming up tonight at eleven oh five, right after talking sports on KUTV Channel Two. Um, again, I. The, the the part that we saw the uh, the tease part and everything else there's just some amazing stuff that T6 for example I mean those were trainers they look a lot like the Japanese Zero from the Second World War but they were our trainers and t- to go up in those and fly acrobatic uh, it's one of the great experiences I ever had in my life uh, flying in the T6s and in the P51s especially with the clipped wings that the P51 Mustangs have these days for the for the uh, aerobatics it's just amazing. Yeah, you know, and Barry Hancock is is widely known as one of the most accomplished uh, T6 aerobatic pilots around. He runs Pilot Makers and Utah Warbird Adventures out of Hebrew and Provo. But that T6, when you consider that was the primary trainer for World War II pilots, yeah. they taught them all of the basic combat maneuvers. And then they were, you know, they went off to fly whatever it was they were assigned to fly. But almost all World War II fighter pilots flew the T6, and that actual airplane was used during the, that time period to train, you know, the best of the best that went and fought in World War II. So you really get to see, and, and the maneuvers he performs are the maneuvers that these pilots learned as basic fighter pilot skills 
uh, before they went off the war. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it tonight because, as I said, I know you put a lot of work into shooting it. Uh, and, uh, and well, we're all victims of computers these days, right? It's all technology, baby. It used to be all ball bearings, but it's now all technology. I hear you. I hear you, my friend. Hey, thanks for visiting with us. It's good to talk to you. And uh, I know what you've got cooking for next week. I already know because uh, you and I had a chance to discuss this. Uh, it's already in the can. I can't wait until this one goes on the air uh, a week from tonight because uh, that is going to be absolutely amazing. People are going to go crazy over the fish you caught on this, on this adventure. And it's close to home, and it's easy to replicate. Yep, it'll be a lot of fun. So next week's show is, uh, we'll just say it, Wiper, 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 and it's going to be really cool. You got it, and we'll uh, preview it right here next Saturday morning. Be good, Steve. I'm going to miss you this week. Stay in touch, tight lines, and uh, wear your PFD if you're out on the water. You got it. Take care of yourself. All right, GW Gary Winterton tonight, 11.05, right after talking sports on Channel 2. It will be uh, hooked on Utah, and we'll get to see the whole adventure from Spanish Fork. We'll step aside, uh, and we'll come back with a final segment coming at you right away here on Inside the Outdoors for this Saturday morning. The day the music died, yes. That's, thank goodness. We've got all these radio. At least you can find it somewhere. Why we can't find it over the air, I don't know. But we can find it on paid subscription radio. But uh, anyway, welcome back, everybody. Those of us old enough to remember when the song came out. We kind of like to hear it every once in a while. And so we can, but we have to uh, subscribe to do it. Everything costs you money these days, right? I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, Sua is looking surprise, surprise for more. Let, let me just let me read you something. Okay, let me just read you something. Um, a piece of land in Utah. Okay, public land, public land. Emphasis on the public. Capital P U B L I C. Public land. Um, here's what the plan is to do with it: uh, mineral leases, uh, extractive development, some money, and then money goes into our school program. By the way. Um, let's see, increase tourism, so more people will see it, more people can get to it, and uh, occasionally vegetation removal, because if fire, as it has before, happens to hit that land, all the deadfalls and all the stuff that's there will act as tinder, and fire will race across the landscape. We've seen what can happen with that, with, uh, with the Amazon these days. And we certainly saw it in the West last year. So they're going to use it for mineral leasing. Now, again, part of this land, public, public land, part of this land goes to mineral leasing, parts, parts of it to extractive de- development, uh, parts to increased tourism, and parts to removing vegetation where appropriate to make sure that wildfire does not ravage the land. Okay, that's the plan for this land. In addition, uh, part of it is going to be allowed on existing roads, not on new roads, on existing roads. Part of it is going to be open to ATV and UTV usage and Jeeps and and trucks. That's part of the increase in tourism and vans that will take tourists and things of that nature. Okay, that is the nearest thing to um, blasphemy 
that Sua has ever heard. Now, remember, this land comes from the, the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument that was trimmed. That was trimmed. 1.9 million acres. Now, let that sink in for a minute. If you've seen an acre-sized lot, okay, just uh, in the neighborhood, 1.9 million of them back to back to back to back to back that was being used by approximately 150, 200,000 people in a decade. Not a year, a decade. Or approximately 10 to 15,000 people a year, maybe 20. 1.9 million acres. Now, of course, it, uh, it got shrunk by the Trump administration. Uh, they cut some of the, uh, the land out of it, some of the size out of that, along with Bears Ears National Monument. And uh, according to the release from SUA, this is the quote, and to make matters worse, worse than increased tourism, extractive minerals, uh, uh, leases for uh, mining, etc., to make matters worse, the BLM plans to prioritize motorized recreation across a large swath of the original 1.9 million acre monument. Motorized recreation. What that means is that on existing roads, existing roads, the BLM is going to allow people to utilize, actually utilize those roads. Isn't that a novel concept? Roads that have been there for generations. Old mining roads, most of them. Roads that are dirt roads that have been there for years but have been shut down under continuous administrations that bowed to squeaky wheel pressure. Now the BLM is going to let those taxpayers that fund those roads to keep them graded, to have them patrolled. Those taxpayers are actually going to get to use those roads. What an amazing concept. And SUA is calling for money to fight that. And they will continue to fight it. So when you have a chance, folks, help by, number one, adhering to the regulations. Number two, letting your representatives know what you want from your public lands. And three, making sure that everybody who is in a decision-making situation understands that SUA is not the voice of the masses. That SUA is not the voice of the American people. Because if we don't, we're going to fight this battle all over again. And maybe with a leader that's not quite so committed to seeing us get our fair share of the pie. Hey, that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank Randy. I want to thank uh, George and Gary. And most importantly, I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back again next Saturday morning, 8 to 9, 97.5 The Zone, right here on Inside the Outdoors. I hope you have a great week. Get out and enjoy our state. Enjoy our public lands as part of the public. And most importantly, we will be back next week. You have been warned. I love you.